I've got a confession to make. I haven't taken a bite of the apple. I don't own an iPhone. I don't own a Mac. Everybody else in my family does. My wife does. My children do. But I don't. They've tried to get me to get one, but I can't. I just can't. I mean, look at what taking a bite of that first apple did to the entire human race. I can't get an iPhone. But there is one app I really like on the iPhone, and that's FaceTime. FaceTime allows you to video call people. And so FaceTime allows you to connect with people and in a sense be face-to-face with them wherever they are. For instance, Sherry and I can be in quarantine here in Lexington and we can call our kids in Nashville and see them face-to-face. Let me show you how. Sherry, come on over here and let's call Mary and the kids. Well, there they are. Hi, hey Dad. there, Noah. Hey, how are you? Good. Good. Hey, Joshy. We are. How's your day going? Good. Where's Asher? Hey, what you working on, Noah? You doing some work? You working on your letters? Awesome. Wow. Wow. You are doing so good, Noah. I am so proud of you. Hey, Grammy and Poppy love you. We miss you. All righty, I can't wait for this quarantine to get over so we can see you again. Yeah, me too. All righty, you have a good day. Aw, okay, Okay. we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. I love FaceTime. And FaceTime is a lot like prayer. Even though God is in heaven, prayer allows us to get face-to-face with God, to have FaceTime with God, to listen to God and and to talk to God. We're able to to tell Him we love Him. We're able to tell Him how our day is going. We're able to tell Him our hurts and our pains and our needs. You see, that's what prayer is. And if there was ever a time that you and I need to pray and we need to learn how to pray, it is today. Because it is through prayer that we enter into the presence of God and we experience the power of God. Prayer connects us with Almighty God, and Jesus modeled prayer for us when He was here on this earth. We're told in Scripture that that Jesus got up early and He prayed. We are told that there were times that Jesus prayed through the entire night. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. And at one time, he said some things only can happen through prayer. So if that's true, if there's some things that can only be accomplished through prayer, then you and I need to learn how to pray. And so if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to a passage that is probably one of the most familiar passages in the entire Bible. 
is found in both Luke 11 and Matthew 6. We call this passage the Lord's Prayer. It is said that over 500 million people can recite this prayer. Members of the early church were to recite this prayer three times a day. But I want you to understand that that this prayer is not some prayer that we are to pray. This prayer was given to us as a pattern to follow. I want you to notice what it says in Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. It says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now, you need to understand these guys already knew how to pray. I mean, being Jews... They were taught from a very early age how to pray. Two times a day, first thing in the morning and the last thing at night, they would recite the Shema, the Jewish confession of faith, and then they would pray various prayers. Being a Jew, they most likely prayed three times a day, and they prayed both before they ate and after they ate. Some historians tell us, that the typical Jew prayed for several hours a day. Did you hear that? They prayed for several hours a day. But when these disciples watched Jesus pray, when these disciples listened to Jesus pray, they saw something different. They heard something different. His prayers weren't simply religious regurgitations. They were birthed out of relationship. Jesus' prayers were both personal and powerful. So when Jesus' disciples wanted to know the secret of his life, they didn't say, Lord, teach us to heal, or Lord, teach us to do miracles, or even Lord, teach us to pray or preach. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. I am convinced that prayer is the most important discipline that you and I can ever develop in our life. And it is that. It is a discipline. And even though it is birthed out of relationship, it is a discipline. And when we pray, we connect with the God of the universe. We get an audience with our creator, the most powerful being in existence. And as we do, everything that is his is at his disposal to meet our every need, to provide for everything that we want. Now, I believe that there are many of us today who have a desire to pray, we want to pray, but we just haven't developed the discipline to pray. But if we're going to connect with God in an intimate way, we must learn to pray and develop the discipline. Now, as Jesus teaches his disciples about connecting with God through prayer, he tells them that that it all begins with a relationship. Our prayers are meaningless unless they are built upon a personal relationship with God. I want you to notice the first word in the Lord's Prayer. In Luke chapter 11, verse 2, Jesus said, This is how you should pray, 
And then he said, Father. In the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching the crowd to pray in Matthew chapter 6 verse 9, Jesus said this, pray like this, our Father. Now let's stop right there this morning because the way Jesus began his prayer was revolutionary. It was unheard of. You need to understand that, that the Old Testament Jew hardly ever referred to God as Father. There are only 14 times in the entire Old Testament where Jesus is referred to as Father. Joachim Jeremiah, who is a, a New Testament scholar, said this. He said, with the help of my assistants, I have examined the prayer literature of ancient Judaism. And the result of this examination was that in no place in this immense literature is this invocation of God as Abba, Father, to be found. Abba was an everyday word. It was a family word. No Jew would have dared to have dressed God in this manner. Jesus did it always in all of his prayers, which are handed down to us, with one single exception. The cry from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus authorizes his disciples to repeat the word Abba after him. He gives them a share in his sonship. He empowers his disciples to speak with their heavenly father in a familiar and trusting way. When Jesus was here on earth, he called God his Father over 200 times. The very first recorded words out of Jesus' mouth were, didn't you know that I must be in my Father's house? The very last recorded of words of Jesus when he was on the cross were, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. You see, God desires for us to know him as a father, not some impersonal force living out in outer space. He wants us to know him as our heavenly father who desires a relationship with us. He's, he's not a businessman you are trying to strike a deal with. He's not some cruel overlord waiting to pounce on you. He is your heavenly Father. You, you see, when we pray, it's not like we are in a boardroom trying to negotiate with a boss. We are actually walking into the family room. And we're hopping into the Father's lap, telling Him everything that is on our heart. Telling Him everything that we need. But unfortunately, some of us, when we think about a father, we don't have good memories. For some of us, our fathers might have been abusive or unkind, demanding or impatient. There are some of us who have never even met our fathers. So, so what kind of father is God? I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 48. He said, you are to be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, I have a wonderful earthly father. 
My father is my hero. It was under my father's preaching that I was convicted of my sin and gave my heart and life to Jesus. It was traveling with my father as he did witness training classes that I developed a heart and a passion to see people saved. And it was watching my father that I learned what it was to be a man and to be a man of God. But my father isn't perfect. I want my children to one day look at me and think that I'm one of the best fathers who have ever lived. But I want you to know that I am far from perfect. Sometimes I don't express my love the way that I should. There are other times that I'm not as caring as I need to be. Over the years, there have been times that I've been inconsistent. I haven't been available. And sometimes I have disciplined when I needed to show mercy. And there are other times when I needed to show mercy when I disciplined. But that's not the way it is with God. You see, God is a perfect father. Now let me give you several ways that he is perfect. First of all, he is a compassionate father. Jesus said this in, in Luke 6, 36. He said, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Now that word compassionate, the Greek word speaks of tender mercy. It, it doesn't matter how old my kids get, I still have a tender mercy, a tender love for them. The kind of love that causes me to experience what they're going through. When my kids hurt or my grandkids hurt, I feel their pain. When they cry, I'm weeping right there along with them. And when they struggle, I lie awake at night thinking about it. And if that's the way that I feel about my kids and my grandkids, then how much more does our Heavenly Father have compassion on us? You see, God is, is not some drill instructor telling us to suck it up and, and get in line. No, He is there experiencing the pains of this world that we experience. When we hurt, He hurts. When we're going through pain, He wants to be there to wrap His arms around us. Most of us have no clue how much God loves us. I've heard people say before that their problem was that they just don't love God enough. But I want you to know that that's not our problem. Our problem is we don't know how much God loves us. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. That word so, that tells us how much God loves us. The Apostle John said, see how very much our Father loves us? God created us for a loving relationship with Him. But when we messed up, He took the initiative upon Himself to straighten things out. Our God is a loving, compassionate Father. But notice, secondly, He is a giving Father. Listen to what it says in Matthew 7, beginning in verse 9. You parents, if your children ask you for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. 
So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Now when our kids were young, we didn't have a lot of disposable income, and yet we wanted to make their birthdays and Christmas special. We wanted to give them things not to prove our love for them, but because we love them. And I think every single parent feels the same way. We want to bless our kids with special gifts. We still do that. It brings joy to our lives when we know that we have given our kids something that they really wanted. Something that they couldn't get on their own. And I believe that if we as, as carnal, sinful parents want to bestow good things on our kids, then how much more does our Heavenly Father want to bestow good things upon us? The Bible says that He wants to provide our every need. But I want you to listen. I don't just believe that God wants to give us our daily bread. I believe there are times that God wants to throw in a steak with all the trimmings as well. You see, God not only wants to meet our needs, there are times that God wants to give us the desires of our heart. Our God is a giving Father. But notice a third thing about God. He is a consistent Father. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father. He never changes or cast a shifting shadow. Now some fathers are just plain out unpredictable. We don't know what they're going to do or how they're going to respond from, from one instant to another. But dads, we need to understand that inconsistent fathers produce insecure children. The number one reason for rebellion is broken promises. But fortunately, God's not like that. God never changes. He is consistent. And when God promises something to us, He always comes through. You see, God, our Father, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me give you a fourth thing. He is a present Father. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 says, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will never fail you nor abandon you. In Hebrews 13 verse 5 it says, God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Today, unfortunately, there are many kids that grow up with absentee fathers. There are some children that have never even met their dads, but our Heavenly Father is always nearby. He is always with us. He is never too busy for us. Whenever we have a problem, whenever we have a need, He is there. But I would be amiss if I didn't give you one other attribute of our Father. And that is, He is a correcting Father. He is a disciplining Father. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 and 9, it says this. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as His own children. Who ever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? 
Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? The Bible makes it clear that any loving father is going to discipline and correct their children. Now, discipline is never pleasant. Discipline is always painful. But discipline is part of being a loving father. The Bible tells us that God desires for His children to live life to its fullest, and He is willing to discipline us to help us fulfill that. Now, that gives us a quick picture of our Heavenly Father. But what you need to understand is this. Not everyone has God as their father. When Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, he said this in John 8. He said, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. You see, just because God created us doesn't mean he is our father. He wants to be our father but we must make that decision. I have a cousin whose parents were divorced when, when he was very young. And his mom, my aunt, remarried. And she married a man that was just a great husband and a great father. And over time, my cousin decided that he wanted to take on his stepdad's name. And the reason he wanted to do that is because he realized how much his stepdad loved him and how much of a father he was. But he had to make that choice. He had to make that decision. And the same thing is true with each and every one of us. Each and every one of us must make a decision, a choice to choose God as our Heavenly Father. I want you to listen to a couple of verses. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, it says, We who have been made holy by Jesus now have the same Father He has. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse, 10, verse 15, it says, You received God's Father when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father. You see, when we come to Christ... God not only forgives us, He adopts us into His family. Sometimes it talks about us being born into His family. But I love that picture of adoption. Because the Bible seems to teach that, that we were orphans, condemned. But Jesus came into our life. And through Jesus, we are adopted into the family of God. Because of God's justice, He cannot dismiss our sin. But because of His love, He cannot dismiss us. So in an act of love, God sent His Son and took our punishment upon Himself so that we could be adopted into His family. And I love that picture. Because here's what I know. There may be unplanned pregnancies, but there are never unplanned adoptions. No parents have ever adopted their kids accidentally. Whenever you adopt a child, you've made that willful decision. 
You've taken that child into your home. You have said, I love this child, and I want this child to be my very own. And that's what God has done for us through Jesus. He has adopted us into his family. And when we experience that adoption, the Bible says his spirit comes to live in us, and we cry out, Abba, Father. And so let me ask you a question. Have you been adopted into the family of God? If God's, is God's spirit living in you? Have you been made brand new? Because that's what happens when God's spirit comes to live in you and you're adopted into his family. If you're here and you're listening and, and you haven't accepted Jesus, you haven't been adopted into his family, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. And so would you bow your head with me? Would you close your eyes with me right now? And if you're here and, and you've never trusted in Jesus, but today you're ready to do that, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me right now. Dear God, I humbly come before you today asking you to forgive me for all my sins. I know I've disobeyed you. I know that I've lived life my way. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, rose from the grave so I could be forgiven, so I could become a part of your family. Father, today, I'm trusting Jesus. Come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me brand new. Amen.